invite you to be seated, friends. Oh, thank you, Pastor Mark and team, for powerful worship. I want to invite the little ones up through grade four to be dismissed. There's some wonderful adults who are ready for you. They've been preparing all week. I wonder if you would uh, join me in a, in a little walk right where you're sitting. I wonder if you'd close your eyes. Now, close your eyes and let me speak a truth into your heart and your mind that is so important, and yet I'm confident there are many people in this room who aren't so sure. By God's design, every person matters. The reason I asked you to close your eyes is with your eyes open, you get distracted too easily and you didn't hear what I just said. By God's design, every person matters to Him and to our world. And I know there's some of you who've just heard me say that and you're saying, not me. I don't really matter. Yes, you do. You exist now, here, by God's choice, for a God-glorifying reason. In God's plan for our world, it's important, it's necessary for us that you are. Now, what could happen to us if you lived to the maximum of God's potential for you? Now, with your eyes still closed, imagine, if you will, a little shanty. You've seen enough pictures of the third world countries that you can imagine a little broken down shanty that you would never choose to live in. That shanty is located on a back alley of Rome someplace 2,000 years ago. And outside that shanty stands a Roman soldier. Do you see him in your mind? And inside that shanty, a man who looks much older than he really is. You see, he's been beaten more times than he can remember. He's been shipwrecked. He's been stoned and left for dead. Why? Because he refuses to be silent. And he travels from place to place walking, proclaiming the hope that the risen Jesus Christ can make a difference in any life, in any town, at any time. Sitting at a broken-down little table in that shanty, do you see another person? A younger man. He has a writing utensil of his day in his hand and a parchment. The older man is dictating to him. And the older man says to him, perhaps calling him by name, Timothy, write this down now. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart, to leave this life, and to be with Christ in heaven, which would be wonderful. But it's more necessary for you that I remain here. Convinced of this, I know I will continue with you for your progress and your joy in the faith. You can open your eyes now. Was I just describing to you a 
fictitious scene out of a movie or a truthful scene. If you have been walking the journey with us this summer, today is day, let me see, 78 in the 100 days of summer. And if you've been reading along with me in our journey, two chapters a day of God's Word, this weekend you come to that marvelous little letter that that old man Paul was dictating to, little t- to young Timothy, Philippians. He'd been in that place more than 10 years before. That town had received him and he had started remarkably. A woman named Lydia had come to trust his truth and trusted Jesus Christ to be her Savior Soon a little house church was meeting in her home. But it didn't take very long, and there were others in that town who didn't want that man and this news of a risen Jesus Christ, and they raised up the anger of that town against him. He and his partner, Silas, were arrested, beaten to a pulp, thrown in a jail, dungeon really, That night, about midnight or so, rather than screaming out in their pain and their anger at God, how could he let this happen? They were singing, worshiping like like we just did. And all of a sudden, the ground started to shake. And the, the, the iron doors burst off their hinges. Jailer called for a light. They could hear him drawing his sword out of the scabbard and, Is anyone here? And he was about to take his own life for fear that the prisoners had all run into the night. Don't do yourself any harm. We're still here. The jailer brought the light. Why didn't you run? Who is this Jesus you've been talking about? I need to know him like you know him. I desire to depart and be with Christ. He had good reason to say that. Oh, man, had he lived a painful journey. Very few places he had gone did the people receive him with joy. Beaten, as I said, more often than he could remember. Stoned on one occasion, they'd left him for dead, bleeding from everywhere. They couldn't possibly believe he could still be alive. God's power came upon him, and he got up, and he crawled, and then he walked with help back into town, and the next day went on to the next town and did it again. Let me tell you about the risen Jesus Christ who has changed my life. So we can't blame him for saying, I dream of heaven and oh boy, would it be nice to be finished with this very painful life and be there with Jesus. But what he said next, my dear friends, has gripped me this week, all week. But it is more necessary for you that I am here with you. And all week long, I've been asking myself the question, really now, is it really necessary for anybody that Doug Anderson is alive? Really? Is it necessary for anybody that you're alive? And God's answer to that is, yes, yes. You are because I chose to make you and because my world where I am trying to accomplish great things, needs you. Yes, you're necessary. But it's necessary that you be who I designed you to be 
so that I can accomplish through you what this broken, desperate world really needs. Do you agree with that? Uh, Pastor Mark, would you come and help me one more time, brother? I know you've done so much already this morning, but uh, you wouldn't mind holding the paint bucket for a while, would you, my brother? Thank you. If you were here last week, uh, how long you think you could hold it like that? Well, well, if you were here last week, you, you remember we talked about the fact that the paint bucket represents you, each of us in this room. And into the paint bucket of your life, God has been pouring in circumstances, relationships, experiences, and he keeps stirring into your life the things that happen in your life every day. And then once in a while, he reaches in and he paints you into his story. Remember that last week? Can you grasp that? Did he paint you this week in a significant way into his story? Actually, every day he's painting you into his story while he's... That's hard to do. Every day he's painting you into the story, his story in our world. Thank you, my dear brother. The reason I had Pastor Mark holding it like that is, do you remember Jesus said, I'm holding you in the palm of my hand, and nothing and no one can snatch you out of my hand. Amen? So what does it look like for a person who God says you are necessary in our world? What does it look for to that person when God paints that kind of a person into the story, his story of our world. Philippians chapter 1, and there's some notes in your worship folder. May I show you three or four or five of them? There's actually 14 of them in your notes, and I'm not going to get through all 14, so we'll just do a few, and then this week you can look at the others. I hope you brought your Bible. If you didn't, there's one under the chair in front of you, as you know, and I think Philippians chapter 1 is on about page 830. If it's not, someone correct me, please. Look at verse 2. Well, where Paul is dictating and he says to young Timothy, write this down, Timothy, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you consider, my friends, that you are necessary because by God's design. He wants you to be a conduit of God's grace and peace poured into our world. Can you grab that? What does grace mean? Help me. What's the word grace mean? Pastor Chuck used it earlier. Unmerited favor, kindness that you and nobody else deserves. So, so as God pours his grace, his kindness into you, his desire is that it, it flows through you to other people who desperately need a kind, helpful, hopeful, healing touch of God. Do you see the problem? If you don't flow it, if it bottlenecks in you, uh, you're a problem. Because it's necessary that God flows His grace and His peace as you've experienced it to the people around you, right? May I show you a second one? Verse 4. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Do you see, my dear friends, that our world desperately needs people who understand it is necessary that I am a prayerful person? that I'm praying for my family regularly, that I'm praying for my coworkers, that I'm listening for the needs of my world, and I'm interceding. Because I understand the miracle of intercession, that God, as busy as He is, holding the whole universe together and keeping seven billion people alive and keeping track of all of our lives and making a new 350,000 of them every day, as busy as He is, 
He loves to hear my voice. And he's anxious to involve me in what he's doing around the world as I intercede. I pray on behalf of someone or some situation that needs the power of God there. Do you agree with that, friends? You are very necessary if you understand the power of prayer and are using it. This past week, Dawn and I did something kind of special. You know, I've been talking to you over the last few weeks about this idea of being a Nehemiah, a person who's making a difference in your world. So I went on Google Earth, and I typed in our address, and pretty soon there it was, right behind the People's Bank there in Elkhorn in that little subdivision called the Belinsky Division there. I found my house, and then I thought, I wonder how many other Calvary people live in our little community. I knew many of you. There are 16 adults who live in that little subdivision with us. So we invited them all over to our house for one of Dawn's wonderful desserts. Amen. And, and I printed out a, a copy for everybody. And then I said, now tell us where you live. And we identified all of our houses. Now what would happen if each of us understood the power of this and recognized that it's necessary to be praying for my neighbors by name. And if I don't know them, I need to get to know them. And then as I get to know them and I hear what they tell me about what's going on in their life, now I've got specific things to pray about. And at the right time, I'll tell them, I'm praying that God will bless you that God will meet your need, that God will help you at your point of need. Then, of course, I started hallucinating. What would it be like if a whole bunch of Calvary people did that? Wow! That you all jumped on in Google Earth and found where you live, what it looks like from up there, and then you went into our directory and figured out who else lives where you live, and you came together and had dessert together and started praying for the people in your neighborhood. What could God do with that? It's necessary that you live where you live as an intercessor for your neighborhood because the dark kingdom is working pretty hard to do great damage in the home of every one of your neighbors. Do you agree with that? Would you look at the next one in verse 6? Being confident of this, that he, God, who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Oh, it's necessary, my friends, that you are an affirmer of God's ongoing good work in other people. Have you ever noticed what happens when you're having a conversation with a person and you say something like, may I just tell you, I've known you for a while and you've become much more patient than you used to be. I can see God at work in your life. Can I just tell you that you smile a lot more often than you used to smile. I can see God at work in your life. Do you remember what happened when you look in their eyes when you said that? The smile that came across their face? Now I know that, that Walworth County is just filled with encouragers and you probably don't need one more person in your life who's encouraging you. But, but, but there are some other people who would welcome that. Being confident of this, Paul is saying, can you imagine how God wants to pour through you the affirmation of what he is doing in other people. Could, could I invite you to practice that? Starting in your own family, look for the evidence that God is at work and affirm them. Celebrate what God's doing in them and watch for the difference. Can I give you another one? Look at verse 8. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Affection. Longing. Do you hear the emotion of love there? 
It's necessary, would you agree, my friends, that God's people are a loving people and a conduit of God's love poured into our broken, hurting world. Do you agree with that? Well, I think it's pretty important. I think it's what the Bible says. In fact, do you remember when Jesus said to his friends in the upper room, now, the kind of love that I want to ask you to live out is rare. Love one another as I have loved you. Remember, I washed your feet. Even the one of you that's going to betray me. Even the one of you that's going to deny me. Can you imagine as they thought back, what has it been like to walk with Jesus? He, he actually healed lepers, touched them. He, he actually had, had meals with tax collectors, sinners of all kinds that nobody else would be seen with. He actually forgave a prostitute of one another as I've loved you because when you do, people are going to say, there's a Jesus follower. That's the only explanation. Now, would you agree that that kind of love is life-changing because every one of us in this room, we know some people who have rarely felt genuinely loved in their life. Isn't that true? We all know people who feel as though the ones who should have loved them didn't and maybe even said to them hurtful, terrible words that have wounded them and now they're adults and it sometimes feel like it happened yesterday and it was 30 years ago when the ones who should have loved them didn't. Love one another. Be a conduit of the love of Jesus Christ into our world. Why? It's necessary because there's more than enough sources of pain and brokenness and hurt in our world, right? Can I give you another one? Look at verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Wow. It it seems to me that what he is saying is it's necessary for people who are trying to to, to follow Jesus Christ with their lives, that they understand that the journey of their life paints a picture that advances the gospel. Some of you may know that one of my favorite restaurants is Famous Dave's. There's not one in Williams Bay yet, but I'm confident someday. (laughs) What would it be like if you and I lived to make Jesus famous? What has happened to me has served to advance. Now now remember, this guy is so broken, he can't hardly stand up straight. His eyesight is now so bad, he can't even see the letters anymore. So I has to dictate it. What has happened to me, God has used it to make Jesus famous. Now that doesn't happen when you're sitting on your chaise lounge on the white sandy beach uh, sipping your, your iced tea or your lemonade, does it? Or whatever else you sip on the white beach. It happens, isn't it true, when life hurts and yet God empowers you to stand up strong in that painful time. Happens when the doctor says, I'm I'm sorry. We've tried everything we know. And you're able to take that deep breath and say, 
the risen Jesus Christ holds my life in his hands. We have a dear couple in our midst who is walking that path right now. For months, she has been undergoing cancer treatments, and she went to what she hoped was the very last doctor's appointment where she was going to hear those blessed words, you're cancer-free. Not so. In fact, there's not much more we can do. There's one sitting among us this morning who was in a horrible automobile accident some years ago. She should have died. And once again this week, another surgery to try to repair damage that should have never happened. It was a drunk driver. There's a family sitting among us who is all packed and ready to go, even their four children, the Erickson family, that they're waiting for a visa. And they're on their way to Indonesia. But school is about to begin. They can't open the dormitory over there without them. So they're, sell, they're sending word out to the families of those kids who are out in the jungles of Jaya. don't send your kids, the Ericsons aren't here yet. And a visa application is lost somewhere in a pile of papers on some man's desk in Indonesia who doesn't want them to come anyway because they're American Christians. How powerful do you believe prayer is? Can God find one piece of paper in a pile of the most unorganized desk you ever saw? Can God move a heart of a man who does not want to put that stamp approved on that piece of paper so that he actually, why did I do that? Yeah. So right now, let's take a minute. Lord God Almighty, on behalf of Garth and Rachel and the children, their children, and on behalf of the children, who are right now with their families and cannot come to school unless Garth and Rachel get there. In the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Savior, we're asking for a miracle. A miracle. Would you please, oh God, move that man's hand, whoever he is, to find that piece of paper and to do what he doesn't want to do, approve their visa. God, would you show us, please, your mighty power? God, for this dear, dear couple whom we love so much who has received this news from the doctor this week, oh God, would you strengthen them with a strength that can only be found in you so that the famousness of Jesus is advanced as they walk this painful journey. For our dear sister who lives in the pain of an automobile accident that should have never happened years ago, God, could I ask that you'd overwhelm her today with a strong sense that the way she's walking the painful journey of life is advancing the famousness of Jesus. Because only Jesus could give this dear woman the strength to walk the path she's walking. And for every other person in this room that needs that, Lord Jesus, please, I'm asking it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now it looks different for each of us. There's a, a yellow insert in your worship folder. Could I ask you to take it for just a moment? There's a, it's kind of a little letter there from our elders. May I just read a little bit of it to you? The elders are grateful to God for a significant moving of his Holy Spirit among several of our congregation toward external, uh, pardon me, extended international ministry. We welcome back to us Pat Embling after her year at BFA in Germany. And, of course, Tess Cervenka after her year with the World Race. The Haywood family is safely home after eight weeks of summer ministry in Africa despite the Nairobi airport fire. They were due to fly out the very morning that the fire broke out. 
Butch and Sally Eicher left us this week after a month and have returned to BFA for a second year, and they have arrived safely. And John and Jennifer Keller left this week to begin their new life in ministry in Mongolia, and they have arrived safely and sent his word back, and the Mongolian flag is now hanging there. Garth and Rachel are waiting for the visas. Last December, David and April Cousins led our Calvary team to Urbana. Oh my, now, now it's become personal. <laughs> David, are you here somewhere in the room? April's here. Would you be willing to come, April, for just a minute? How can you say no in front of 400 people when I just asked you to come? I want this to please become a prayer document. The elders are letting you know that David and April have come and have met with us and have explained to us that God is working in their hearts. Step right up there where they can see you. <clears throat> Would you please tell us what have you sensed that God's been doing? Uh, well, all, most of you. Yep, I think it's there. Obviously. Is it there? Should be. Power on. Now we got it. Okay. Uh, most of you know that I'm a missionary kid, obviously. And uh, Dave also is a missionary kid that not many of you know. His parents were missionaries in Indonesia for 14 years. So missions has always been a part of who we are. And um, we both went to Moody Bible Institute, having a desire to serve someday overseas. But as we got married and started youth ministry, we just never felt like it was the right time. And then we started having kids and kept having kids, and then it was never the right time. And um, when we got the opportunity to go to Urbana in January, we were like, sure, why not? Free trip with some college kids. It'll be fun. No intention of God speaking to us while we were there. And he did. Amen. And at one of the closing sessions, the call was made. If you feel as though God is stirring in your heart, to avail, make yourself available for full-time international service, would you stand? And about 4,000 young men and women stood, and among them, David and April, right? And so while there, <laughs> as you can see in the note, uh, they and others of our team uh, spent some time prayerfully making contact with different mission organizations that were there, and David and April felt drawn to one in particular, Avant Ministries. It has several hundred missionaries scattered all over the world, Following the leading of the Holy Spirit, they made application to Avant, and they were invited to come to their candidate orientation in early July, and they went. And what happened? I take after him. Sorry. Um, yeah, it was, we went in July, and it was great. Um, we were in class from 8.30 to 5 for two weeks, so it was like deer in the headlights. Look, we learned so much about living overseas and raising support and everything that's involved. And we just kept saying, Lord, you just have to keep confirming this. We don't want this to be... We don't want this to be of us. It has to be of you. And um, by the end of the two weeks, we felt like he was like, yes, I'm definitely calling you into full-time missions, but we don't know what it looks like. We don't know where. We don't know when. We're committed to our ministries here, um, to the students here. And right now we're just praying that God will show us um, where and when he wants us to go. Um, right now we're actually in the same boat as the Ericsons. We just applied for a visa for Mali, West Africa, to go over there and uh, check it out. So um, it's not the safest place in the world, but we kind of feel a draw, and we know that God is on our side. So they're hoping to go soon for a vision trip to see what God would do with them in Mali, West Africa, one of the nations that Avant, the organization, put before them with some very specific ministry needs that are there. So I'm asking that you would take this piece of paper as a prayer document for all the people who are mentioned there, but especially for April and David and uh, my grandchildren. 
God, thank you for what you continue to do in us as we make ourselves available to you to advance the gospel, to make Jesus famous with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, April. May I just draw your attention to maybe a couple more? I told you there are 14 of them there that I found in Philippians 1 through 4. May I give you a suggestion of what to do with them over this next week? May I suggest that you begin each day taking one, just one. Read the scripture, think about it, pray about it, and ask God to show you what would it be like for you to live that day as though you are necessary in our world according to that one little verse or statement. Huh? It'll change the way you live life. Let me give you another one. Let's go to chapter 3. Chapter 3. Look at verse 7. Paul writes, Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. What would it be like if you lived your life celebrating the, the outrageous value, worth of knowing Christ Jesus personally in all of his majesty and his greatness as your Savior, your King, your Lord, your friend. No amount of stuff you can accumulate in your lifetime could ever compare to that. Remember, Timothy wrote, you came with nothing and you will leave empty-handed as well. It's only what God has done in you and how you have allowed God to work through you in our world that will really amount to anything after you're gone. And then look at verse 12. Not that I've already obtained all this, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I love that. That means, my dear friends, that yes, God had a reason for reaching into your mother's womb and creating you. He had a reason for reaching to you and drawing you to himself. And as you responded to his draw, he had a reason for transforming your life, forgiving your sin. He has a reason for what he's doing in your life now. Paul was overwhelmed with that concept. I'm going to pursue that which God has in his mind for me, is what he's saying there. And the more I can accomplish that, the more I can understand it, the more I will become the man or the woman that God designed me to be and live a very necessary life in this world. goes on to say in verse 13, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. Do you see that? If you like to mark your Bibles, I'd suggest you underline that. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. Do you know why that's so important? Because you and I both know many people who live in the pain of the past, don't they? And they allow the pain of the past to all too often define who they are and shape how they interact with their world. The pain of the past when they were told, you'll never amount to anything. When an opportunity is given to them, they go, no, nah, I, I doubt it. I, I could never do that. Because they hear this voice in the back of their mind that they were told as a kid, uh, you'll never amount to anything. 
what would happen if they heard in their mind a voice and it was God himself who said, I made you. With me, all things are possible. I have opened the door of opportunity before you step forward in faith and let me work in you and through you that which is necessary for your world. You know how it is. A door of opportunity opens before a person and they remember failure of the past. Oh, I, I shouldn't take that step. I'll, I'll probably disappoint the person who's opened the door before me. My, my, my past will come haunting me. They'll find out about that secret back there. And they're not hearing the other voice where the Lord Jesus says, I paid for that. That's covered by my blood. But when the Father looks at you, he sees me. Holiness, righteousness, we sang about it. Step forward, you're a new person. Forget the past. Don't let the past hold you back. That's living a necessary life. Do you agree with that? Can I just give you one more? <laughs> Which one? Oh, my. Let's have a vote. <laughs> They're all great. Oh, okay, four, fourth chapter, 11th verse. I'm not saying all these things because I'm in need. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Paul says, I know what it is to be in need. And you could put in parenthesis there, he'd say, I know what it is to be hungry, not having eaten for several days, and I have nothing to eat. I know what it is. The blood is coming out from every place in my body, and I can't stop it from bleeding. And there's no doctors who want to help me. I know what it is to feel overwhelmed and almost about ready to give up. I know what it is to be in need, every kind of need. And I know what it is to have plenty. Paul is saying, there have been some times in my life when I've been blessed far beyond what I deserve. I have learned the secret of being content. In any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him, Jesus Christ, who gives me strength. Is it desperately necessary in our world that there are some people who have learned to be content regardless of the circumstances? And all God's people said, yes, absolutely yes. Because we're surrounded, aren't we, by people who are constantly scratching and clawing for more, never satisfied. The difference that you can make in your world, in your set of circumstances, if you truly, truly are content in Christ. The difference it can make for your children if they grow up in a home where mom and dad are content with what God has provided for them. And the kids know it. I just have to give you one last one. It's verse 19. Can't you just see? <laughs> Can't you just see Timothy almost breathless as he's been writing these things that Paul has been describing? And I, I can just see Paul thinking, some of these folks who get this letter, oh my, they're people who are living in such desperate need. I can see Paul saying, I wish I could do more to help them. And my God. Verse 19, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Do you remember when Moses met God on the mountain in the burning bush? 
We sing about it sometimes in that song, The Great I Am. And after God had said to him all the remarkable things that God said, you're going to go back and I'm going to lead the people out. Moses said, now, now God, when I go back there and tell these people that I had a meeting with God on the hillside talking to a bush that was on fire but it wasn't being consumed, they're going to think I've lost my mind. And so somebody's going to ask me, oh, oh yeah? So what did God tell you his name is? Remember what God said? You tell him, I am. Yahweh, I am. I am more than you will ever need. I, I, I am more than you could ever possibly imagine or fully understand. I have all power. There is no limit to my power. I have all understanding. There is no limit to my knowledge or my understanding. I am everywhere present at all times. I am eternal, no beginning and no end. I am holy to the very core of who I am. I am love. I am. And so Paul writes, from that boundless resource, the great I am, I can assure you, he will meet all of your needs according to his riches, his glorious, magnificent self, who he is in Christ Jesus. You just live as though you are really necessary in our world because you are. So I want to urge you this week, read two or three times what I wrote for you there on the front of your notes, at your front of your worship order. I read it to you as we began. By God's design, every person matters to him and to our world and put your name next to it. You matter, my dear friends. You matter to God and you matter to us. Amen? And you matter to our world and don't let anybody tell you different. You exist now here by God's choice for a God-glorifying reason. In God's plan for our world, it's important, it's necessary for us that you are. Now, what could happen to us if you lived to the maximum of God's potential for you? Why don't we talk to him about that? Lord Jesus Christ, you know that the dark kingdom just beats us up all the time with a profound sense of worthlessness, failure, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you led the Apostle Paul to write, oh, oh, I desire to depart and be with Jesus Christ in heaven. Oh, that would be so sweet. But it's more necessary for you that I'm here with you for your joy and your progress in the faith. That's true, isn't it, Lord Jesus Christ, of most everyone in this room? But how few of us really believe it. Why don't you invite him to show you in a fresh new way right now how much he loves you and how necessary it is for your world that you live empowered by the Holy Spirit of God in each of these 14 ways. And why don't you ask him to show you what is it that's holding you back from believing it, from owning it, from living it, and if you're here this morning, friends, and you're not quite sure you understand what I've been talking about, 
because you've never allowed yourself to trust Jesus Christ for who he really is and what he's accomplished for you, could I challenge you, take the biggest step of faith of your life. Trust the God who holds your very breath in his hands. Invite him to be your savior, your rescuer, your king. Trust him with your life and watch what happens. Now God, prepare us to step out into a world that desperately needs necessary people as we worship you with this powerful song. Thank you.